I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that it's not too late to sign up for the Eliminate the Drama pop-up podcast. It has everything that you need to calm the chaos in your home. It was specifically curated for moms who were tired of yelling and playing referee for their kids. These special episodes feature family coaches, authors, and speakers who happen to be, yep, experienced moms too, to help you parent with peace and purpose. So if you're looking to resolve sibling conflict, correct your child without all the drama, or survive your strong-willed child, you won't want to miss this. Here's the thing though. These sessions became available on Monday, May 9th, but you can still listen to them until Friday, May 13th. It only takes a moment to sign up, so do it now at buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash pop-up podcast, or go ahead over to the show notes to find the link. Then check your email to get an exclusive link that will allow you to listen instantly in your favorite podcast app. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm here with my friends Elise Daly-Parker and Alana Kuwabara to talk about navigating the ups and downs of identity and motherhood. But before we get started, I'd love for us to just real quickly share with one another what is making your mom life easier right now. Elise, do you want to go first? Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) Well, I've been thinking about acceptance and uh, the serenity that comes from that. So I was just thinking about that yesterday as I was watching the snowstorm and I was reminded of how I used to get like frustrated between, oh, I have so many things I want to get done and, oh, I want to go play with my kids in the snow. And I just think um, accepting that, you know, some days are just meant to just slow down and give up on. Sick days are the same. It's just go with it. They're going to be over soon enough, honestly. So acceptance. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of building off what you said, because I saw your notes from earlier is um, acceptance, but also flexibility. Yes. So um, I did add that. So I have, and I've shared this before, I have an 18 year old and I have a 16 year old and a 14 year old. And I find like over the last month with my 16 year old and my 18 year old, I'm starting to sort of question the the rules that I've had in place Mm -hmm. and saying to myself, Mm -hmm. like, these are sort of arbitrary, like, did I make these up? Do I have a good reason for them? Do I really need to stick with them? Um, like for one, and I don't think I've shared this with my daughter, she has a curfew, mm. but like the other night she was late because her boyfriend, who was her ride, dropped off her friends. Her friends didn't have a ride home. Like, am I going to punish that? Is this time that she has to be home? Like, is that really important? Is it arbitrary? Did I just make it up because I think I'm supposed to have a curfew? Does it matter if she's checking in with me every, you know, 30 minutes and when she's delayed, I know where she is. Like, so I've started questioning why I have certain rules in place and sort of holding them with more of an open hand and not saying like, I need to have a curfew. My kids need to have a curfew because I had a curfew or like, (laughs) like even my oldest who's 18, like learning how to say, Oh, like, who says that you can't have a glass of wine with dinner? Like you're a grown up now. You live somewhere else. Like, are we going to get you in trouble? Because you know what I mean? Like, what yeah, are what, what I are think the rules? I think that's great. Yeah, that's flexibility with much older children, obviously. And I have mm-hmm. to tell you, 
My father was a master at that. It was um, eventually, you know, and he was very strict. But when things, when when we started getting in trouble too much for those those rules is when we would go out to dinner and have a discussion about it and really mm-hmm. talk it through. Mm-hmm. And he would start to treat us more like adults. So I think that's yeah. really good to to question those things. Why Why do I? Why do I think that's the right thing to do? Maybe mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. And I can even look back over when the kids were little and think that I had these rules for no good reason. Some of them I regret and not because they had drastic measures, but because maybe we missed out on a few things or mm-hmm. it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. And, and I thought I had to parent a certain way and I never really questioned or had flexibility in what I had predetermined. And so it's definitely helping me navigate the teen years. I do believe we could probably have a full discussion on flexibility. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What about you, Alana? Well, um, (laughs) probably frozen cauliflower is really great for us right now. (laughs) Which can also be used, speaking of flexibility, as something for like a bump on the head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some people would probably prefer to use it for that. Um, we actually really love roasting frozen vegetables. I know this is like off on a different kind of tangent, but no, it's good. For some reason, like my kids, my daughter will eat anything. Like she tried frog legs when she was like four years old. She will eat anything yeah. once. My son, we've had to work on him with that. Um, but for some reason, whatever reason, they love roasted vegetables. So I had a day today where I was just in one, I like sat in this chair as you're seeing me now, mm-hmm. <laughs> just all day. And I was just in meetings, meeting me, and I would run out, throw in the oven, throw the frozen vegetables on the tray. I did a oh. roasted uh, cauliflower and garlic soup for lunch mm. with some bone broth powder in there, get some protein. And it was delicious and filling and everybody was happy. Wow. Mm. Yeah, we do keep eating. We do keep frozen We're cauliflower trying. on hand because it's not something that I would buy ahead of and use right away, but I love mm. it as like a go-to mm. in the freezer. I could pull it out for a soup I made the other day with it. We'd love to- yep cover it in cheese, which maybe is not so healthy, but like we protein. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I enjoy it. I I would not keep it fresh in the house. It wouldn't, it just, I would choose other things over it. And so to have it on hand is great. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so cauliflower or frozen cauliflower recipes. (laughs) Yes, we could do that. We'll link to some of them in the show notes. We'll link. All right. So on to mom identity crisis. What I love about having you guys in on this conversation is I think that we represent different stages in our motherhood and we bring different experiences to this conversation. So I thought we could start off by talking about the different types of identity crisis that we see when becoming moms. And I think we can, you know, even touch on sort of the season that we are in right now. Mm -hmm. So that first season is definitely when we become mothers. That's that first time when, for me, all of a sudden you turn around and you go, oh my gosh, like my life is completely different than it was two years ago. What the heck am I doing? Like whether you stopped hanging out with people or you're consumed by everything that has to do with, you know, babies, whether you're like, haven't had a regular meal and forever, like whatever it is, that transition 
can take many of us by surprise because we quite honestly don't know what to expect from it. And so that's that initial transition and identity crisis. But what are some of the other ones that are out there that we could, we're, that we're going to be talking about today? Well, I, I really do believe that um, momhood is one transition after the next. And I think that that in itself <laughs> threw me at how, how dynamic it is and how, you know, it, like literally people talk about this all the time. Just when the, you think you've got your baby on this schedule, something happens to throw a wrench into the work. So it's like there's infancy, there's babyhood, there's toddlers. Oh, then they go off to school somewhere. And then for many or most, um, and then maybe there's kindergarten, you know, the school phases, the learning to read. I, there are so many transitions that impact us. And mm-hmm. so I, it's just the way it is. We're moms. <laughs> and so what is going on in our homes, whether it's transitions with our husbands or our children, it's, I just feel like it's, it's kind of endless. And maybe that's where we start is that we have an understanding that things are going to change a lot in motherhood so mm-hmm. the stages. There's a lot of stages. Mm-hmm. So what have you guys experienced most recently? in terms of your identity? Well, I mean, mine was a little temporary, but it was still really interesting. And that is when two of my adult children came home for, is that, is it, are you just talking about yeah. kids or not necessarily? Yeah. Well, yeah. Two of my adult children came home um, for COVID mm-hmm. and um, for the, when last, you know, last year, um, near when the time it started in March, 2020, and they were home for almost a year. And um so it's kind of like reverse empty nest. <laughs> it was reverse empty nest. And there were am- mostly amazing parts of it. A really blessed time that I never, ever would have anticipated. Nothing could have prepared me to have two daughters that had been gone from the home for a long time back in the home. Um, you know, nothing could have prepared any of us for this p- recent season. But um, that was really interesting. And as I say, it was mostly wonderful, but we definitely had to renegotiate roles a little bit. Um, I am no longer a mother who really has too much to say about the way they do things, um, or I need not to be. Um, I A lot of what I have to say is really, it really has to be invited. That's, that's how I, that's how I'm interacting with my adult children now. I am mm-hmm. not telling them what to do. You know, I have daughters who are definitely living in ways that I wouldn't choose for them. Um, there is a discussion and then I gotta, I gotta lay it to rest or, or, you know, the relationship is at risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Alana? Well, you know, I haven't had a mom identity crisis in a while. Um, (laughs) feel, you know, pretty decent about that. We've been through so many transitions lately together. Mm. Um, and I learn. I, th- I think that I've learned some lessons early on. One is that flexibility lesson that like managing expectations, mm. um, kind of lesson mm-hmm. that, um, you know, realizing that I want to be uh, consistent in my reactions with my children, 
Um, and I learned that lesson by messing that up <laughs> and realizing that I was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and going, okay, I don't, I don't want my kids to feel like they don't know what to expect mm-hmm. when they come to me with something. Mm-hmm. And so that, that kind of crisis that I had there was in that transition of getting back into working more regularly um, with the kids around. So, um, I've like, I've always worked the second I could work, I was working. I turned 12. I started babysitting, went, did the course at the hospital and got my, you know, official babysitter card. And I was out there. And so I've always, I've actually almost always worked when I had my daughter, when I had my first child, I was working part-time. Um, so, you know, I think when, Um, but then when I had my son, we moved from Canada, we had been living in Canada. I'm not Canadian. I must emphasize that, (laughs) but we had been living in Canada. We moved to, um, to the States and while I was pregnant with my son and then, um, and we lived with my parents for a little while and my daughter was two and then two, then she turned three and at any rate, I didn't have a job. And so um, I was just raising, you know, my two kids at home. And then when I started working again, trying to figure out how to be myself, be myself in this job, be myself as a mom. Um, You know, I was just talking to um, a a mom on Instagram, actually, um, that we became friends on Instagram and she's a lawyer and she just had her second and her first is a toddler. And she was going through a bit of a, a of an identity crisis there as well, uh, cause she's working still a little bit and, you know, is, is, am I a bad mom if I'm in this really rigorous profession? Um, and I shared with her, you know, it's my opinion, but I think, you know, God, God's writing her story and he's writing her kids' story and he matched them up. He matched her kids up with a mom who's a lawyer and he knew that she was a lawyer and that she's going to need to also raise her children. And he, there's grace for that. He's going to take care of you, but you, you have this, this, uh, that kind of, I, I think that working, um, outside of the home type of identity crisis mm-hmm. where it's like, you feel like you need to be all these different people to everybody in, in these different spaces. And how do I give my best in all of those spaces? And, um, so I, I think for me, that was, you know, the last time I really felt like I have to figure this thing out. I'm in, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Did you struggle when you stayed home for a little bit? How long were you home without working when you moved to the U S and probably a, a good year, um, about, yeah, mm-hmm. I, we were going through so many other transitions we had moved, we were living with my parents, then we found a house and we moved into the house. And like, there was so much coming at me at once. And I also, we moved back to my hometown. Um, And so that was weird. 
I don't know if anybody's ever like moved away and then gone home and like that. I just had to, there was a lot I had to deal with. That's every Hallmark movie. (laughs) (laughs) She goes home. One of the three three plot lines. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I I have done that a lot. I I moved back to the town I grew up in for years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, there's all, this is another part of the crisis, right? There's, there's all these ghosts. I felt like there were these like teenage versions of me everywhere like at the movie theater and like the you know the mall and it's like I used to work at that store in the mall and now there's different stores and so I was confronting a lot at once honestly it was was very difficult if I'm if I'm being honest it was not easy and Mm -hmm. I struggled uh I, I really um internally kind of failed my way through that I don't think there were I'm sure that there were not a lot of people who were aware of that because I that was, you know, kind of a private <laughs> inner turmoil that was going on. Yeah. Um, and I really had to like re have a reset um, in terms of, you know, understanding what was happening to me, that it wasn't permanent, that, you know, God is good focusing on the good things you know I used to just remind myself like I have this beautiful baby uh, this wonderful daughter we have a house we have cars you know like like a constant reminding myself of that um it was helpful to me to go back to work because at home I I was just me and me in my head (laughs) and a toddler, you know, and and an infant that, you know, Mm -hmm. so with, when you don't have that, like adult conversation with other people that can be, get very difficult and you can just get all Mm -hmm. in your head. Yeah. I think think it very much depends on who you are. And, um, I, Again, if this is a a tangent, then, (laughs) Um, but I never imagined I would ever want to do anything other than be home with my kids. That's how you grew up? It's how I grew up. Yeah. But I was shocked that I did want something more. I did want to do some of the work that I had done in, in the past. I wanted to do some freelance work. I was a freelance. Uh, I was a full-time um, copywriter before I left work, but I really missed it. So that was a shock to me. So maybe, you know, in terms of a transition, I thought the baby transition, it was everything I ever wanted. And when I felt like there was, this was not everything I wanted, I felt terrible. I felt mm-hmm. like I was failing some manufactured picture of what I thought it was supposed to be like. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah that's was, not a um, tangent. That's good. I mean, that's like the no. essence of what we're talking about. Yeah. We, we get into this next stage of life um, and in our, what we're talking about motherhood and we, it's different than we imagined. And then we go, what are we doing here? And to question that doesn't mean that you're not grateful to be there or that you don't love your kids or that you don't love the life you have. It's just a matter of, okay, what do we do with all of these thoughts and feelings now? And, and again, for me, I, I, I felt so much shame about it. I don't know why it wasn't really about how I was raised. It was something more 
about what I thought I wanted all these years. And I finally get it. And like, what's wrong with me that I'm not finding complete and total satisfaction in it? Mm. And I, mm. I did. And, and from that point on, I, I once I, I, I think I struggled with it the whole way. And I wish at some point I had given myself permission to, to pull it apart and say, it's okay. Like, Mm-hmm. You're not going to kill your kids by, in fact, <laughs> you know, it's going to be more damaging to them if you're so unsatisfied yeah. with what is happening. Mm-hmm. So if you do some freelance work as an editor or writer or teach your childbirth classes, which I was a childbirth educator, it's all okay. It's just, it's, so I think it's really important to give yourself permission to think about what's going on at every stage mm-hmm. and to be like, okay. This is working great. I'm delighted. Okay, we'll keep going. Or, oh my gosh, this is not working great. I'm not feeling great. And I don't know what's going on. I need to give my, I mean, you know, talk about self-care. That's self-care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, really, it really is the essential self-care that we need to do. What's going on for me? And what do we need to do within our family to work it out? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, when I think of some of the, the identity crisis I've had, um, they have been major, but like, I definitely, like I mentioned earlier, staying home a couple years later, turning around and going, oh my gosh, like sort of like, who am I? You know, like I went to school for design and architecture and I did that for a long time. And I started to have this like internal debate of like, well, am I still a designer? Because I'm not Mm -hmm. currently designing. And do I know when I'm going to start designing again? Does that mean I'm not a designer anymore? Or am I still a designer? Because that's who I am on the inside. Like literally, like letting that distract me and diminish what it was that I was doing with my children. Mm -hmm. I even let that happen. Um, But luckily was able to sort of rein that in and recognize, okay, this is a season. Like, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what um, my life is going to look like in a couple of years. And um, at one point I did get um, a friend of mine from college asked me if I wanted to work part-time and I worked um, as a designer and I redid um, her company's offices. And I did that for about a year and a half. And so there, you know, you can ebb and flow in the work mm-hmm. that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do have the luxury of doing the work that I do from home, whether it's the podcast or coaching. Um, <clears throat> but even as my motherhood is beginning to change and my kids need me less, I find myself going through that again. Like I'll walk Absolutely. in a room and I'll Absolutely. be like, nobody needs me. Nobody cares that I'm here. As long mm-hmm. as dinner's on the table, nobody wants to know how my day is. Like, like that, that, that really healthy pulling away that's happening in my home is, has now caused me not to, not to question my work life, but like my personhood and the need for people and the, the need people have for me. And do they really need me? And, and am I done now? Is like, is this all there is left? Like, Oh yes. 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 My goodness. Yes. I have yeah. so been there. And I think mm-hmm. it's, again, it's kind of like, I, I remember um, that I feel like, did I, did I talk about this? But one, one year when my kids, uh, one was left in high school and two were uh, in co- coming home from college. So it was the first time the three, the three of us had been together in a long time. My stepdaughter was 11 years older. So she was already out of the house and living on her own. And, um, I remember after they left saying to my husband, I just, I just feel like he really loves me. And he said to me, it's not 
their job to love you. It's your job to love them. And I was like, what? <laughs> but it was true. It was like, we, that's the phase we had moved into. Mm. It's like, I'm their mother. I chose to have them. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're pushing back, moving away, doing all their things. And it's leaving me feeling unwanted and unloved. And, um, and of course we, of course we want our children to love us. Of course, you know, it wasn't the truth, but it was what you're describing, Kimberly. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was no longer loved because I was no longer needed, which is an interesting, again, topic in itself. But, you know, part of being a mother is being needed and being consulted on everything. And, and and when that goes away, that is a loss that we have to, that it's okay to look at. And again, Mm -hmm. that's, I think sometimes we feel these conflicting feelings, like what's wrong with me? My kids are supposed to be doing this. This is the state they're in. doesn't matter. You still have feelings about it, you know? So, yeah, Yeah, I think that's also why we just have to have such a strongly rooted identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you don't have a true North to come back to, you know, because you're going to, you're going to do this, but as long as you can come back to you and you have these godly voices in your life and you have your relationship with Jesus and you know, okay, I know that I can come back to, I'm a daughter of the King. I am, you know, more than a conqueror and you can come back to those things. Those are those, those scriptures and those facts and those promises, like they weren't a a magic pill for me. Um, It took you know, kind of a rewiring of my brain mm-hmm. when I was going through that after my, I had my son and moved back home, you know, back to my hometown, that whole situation. But I had that sort of that anchor, you know, that I could kind of reel myself in by the help of the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise you're just, I think yeah. there's just so many moms that um, whether they don't have a relationship with God or whether they, they don't, um, you know, they maybe kind of just forget or they don't, no one really ever told them. Um, but it's just visceral, you know, you just feel the way that you feel and then you're just in your feelings. And that's where it, it, not that it ends. It just continues on that path of just like, oh, I feel like, I don't know who I am. I feel like I don't have any value because I'm not doing the things that brought me value before I had kids mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever that is. And you, you know, you kind of get stuck in that place. If you don't have, you get stuck being lost. If you don't yeah. have a, a true North that you can point at and start wa- walking towards to get out of those woods, if you will, if I might yeah. continue that metaphor. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> So what would you say are some of the red flags that help us to identify when we're in an identity crisis? I mean, certainly that up and down of the feelings, getting Mm -hmm. stuck in them. Um, But what are some of the other things that we can kind of keep in mind and go, wait a minute, something, something's going on here. Well, I do think that a lot of what we're talking about is a little bit of grieving where you are as you enter into the next place. Mm -hmm. And um, as my counselor has said to me more than once, Oh, grief again, which is because of unresolved grief, old stuff, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so, but I do think there's grief. So if you're feeling sad 
and a little teary, which I definitely felt at different phases of my kids' lives, mm-hmm. investigate that. Okay. And, and, and again, it's okay to say, well, I'm feeling a little sad about this, this transition, this leaving. Um, and, you know, be there for a bit, allow yourself to explore those emotions. And also, yeah, do think about, um, I was talking to somebody, I was talking to some coaching somebody today who was really talking about like where now. And I, I it's so interesting to hear it because I'm sure I felt the same way, but to hear it was like, well, wait, you've got still, you're still you. <laughs> you still have so much ahead of you. Mm-hmm. This is just one phase of your life. But when you're not, when you're in them, it's hard to look at it that way. So, mm-hmm. and I've heard, and I heard you say that Alana at one point too, this is a season. They are seasons. And again, if we can sort of normalize them a little bit instead of mm-hmm. them being like, oh, this snuck up on me. I had no idea this would happen, but it is what happens in raising kids. Mm-hmm. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, for me, I got to the point where I was seeing that my life revolved around my kids. And again, that's not, that's not a bad thing, especially if this is something that's important to us. And as a stay-at-home mom, everything I did revolved around the kids. And it really, I had to fight to create relationships and activities for me to do that didn't have to do with the kids. Yeah. Um, and I have to tell you, it's they're coming in handy because as my kids are getting older and I'm going to keep, sorry if I keep going back to this, but the teenager thing, like we transitioned from you know, doing town sports to now high school sports. And it doesn't seem like a big, big idea, a a big deal, but on the weekends, we don't really have anything to do. (laughs) We're like, we're for years. I mean, from the time they were, my oldest was in second grade to my old, my youngest being in eighth grade, your, your Saturdays were booked up and it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going to like every soccer game, every wrestling match, every lacrosse game. I mean, we did it all. But now when you transition to high school sports, those competitions happen during the week. Practices are after school. So my kids don't get home until like 5, 30, 6 o'clock. And then on the weekends, we sit around and I go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. When was the last time I talked to so-and-so? Because I'm not running into those people on the sports field. I'm not seeing them at the activities. They don't need rides places. So I'm not chit-chatting with the moms while I wait for them to get done with things. So, you know, looking around and seeing like everything I do socially is dependent on my kids. I really had to, at some point, break free from that and make my own friends that weren't because our kids knew each other or because it was a kid's activity. I had to start you know, signing up for my own activities and asking moms out that we didn't have a kid in common because I thought she was really cool and I wanted to get to know her. So mm-hmm. like, definitely, like if that's a red flag, if you turn around and you say, I have nothing of my own. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, you have to be you have to be proactive and you have to take initiative when that happens and it can be mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be definitely hard for, to be the first one. Um but I think that's a good example and I don't think it's any small thing. You know, Kimberly, you kind of said it is it doesn't seem like that big a deal. In mm-hmm. fact, it, it changes your life dramatically. Yeah. And so of course you're going to feel that, you know. Um yeah. But you but you're always hearing pet parents going, "Oh my gosh, I'm so busy in the weekends. Like we you know we always have to do this. We always have like there's a lot of complaining about the things that you have to do for your kids." Yeah. And then what you don't realize is when they're gone, they're gone. You well, know? And also you get to do you, right? Because mm-hmm. if you loved that, good for you. You didn't need to complain about it. Some people, you're mm-hmm. right. Some people are like, oh, all week at every week. 
<laughs> which can really be the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might have done that myself a time or two. Mm. But um, yeah, it's 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 balance. But I, I I totally totally get that phase too. It's I I actually went through that when my daughter quit sports because it was like, well, that was part of our community, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have we. When are we gonna When are we gonna see those people and it's not going to be so much fun anymore. It was definitely, that was an, that was a very unexpected identity crisis for me. When my daughter, after, you know, doing the whole soccer thing from the time she was three years old, pretty much, and paying that, did we talk about this already? Just thousands of dollars (laughs) and thousands of hours. And in her junior year, she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> and I had, I had, I literally joined a soccer team at one point, soccer moms, to relate to this my my daughter because I didn't, I wasn't a sports person, mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. I quit very, very early on, just <laughs> so we know. Um, but yeah, that was really shocking. I was like, oh my gosh, I am wrapped up in this this thing here, and I need to get detangled. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And I think another another sign or red flag that we are going through a identity crisis is um, that we're so busy that we don't have time for ourselves. And it's kind of similar to what I just said about like having something for yourself, but I'm talking about literally having downtime and alone time and self-care time and time where you're just able to focus on you and, and even discover what it is that you care about. I was going to add another one. Um, yeah when you're, when you're not able to be in the moment with your kids, Mm. I think that's a red flag. If you're either constantly in the past thinking about what you used to do, how you used Mm. to do things, who you used to hang out with, what your body used to look like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, or if you're constantly in the future, like, what you're going to do once the kids are mm-hmm. in daycare, when, once they're in school and you like, can't, can't wait for this stage to be, or, you know, once they're out of diapers or whatever the stage is, maybe that you're, you're in and you just like, can't wait for it to be over. I mean, it's diapers that they're the exception. I could, <laughs> I couldn't wait for this. That's <laughs> Um, But, you know, I think that if, if you're having trouble being in the moment, mm-hmm. just enjoying your children enjoying the the like like we're saying over and over again that it's temporary these are seasons and and they they're they come and they go and you're not always going to be you know shuffling around in sweatpants um hopefully (laughs) um (laughs) never um you're not you know you're not always going to be a couple of days out from your last shower, you're gonna move on through this phase, you know, and not that you should enjoy being a couple of days out from your last shower, but you know, (laughs) maybe, I mean, especially if you come from a high pressure situation where you're like, I have to dress up all the time for work. Like maybe that is your idea of, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. maybe maybe that's your, your, uh, your vacation, you know? (laughs) Well, I think if you, if, if, whether or not we do enjoy it, if we could enjoy it, it would be, it would be better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just really that, you know, take, take, 
not advantage, but, you know, enjoy, enjoy those, that time that you have to go, you know what, I'm gonna cuddle with my baby and I'm gonna nap when my baby naps, nap when your baby naps, you know, um, because that will, that will help you because part of, part of the identity crisis, right. Is that you have this idea that you're not being who you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And, but you are because you're, especially that first baby or if the baby is, you know, I really all the seasons, but you're in the season that you're in. So if you have an infant who needs you literally 24 seven, then you are being who you're supposed to be. And you can bring your, sense of humor or your ability to be super productive or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you felt, you know, there's these qualities that are part of your, what I'm trying to say is your job isn't your identity, right? But Mm -hmm. when you were in your job or when you were single, let's say, or you were, you know, maybe you like to travel a lot when you first got married and then now you haven't been traveling, but whatever, whatever that is, your, the, there's core qualities of who you are as a person that inform that. And you can bring Mm -hmm. that to your motherhood Mm -hmm. and be in that moment and, and be a mom and not be worried about who you used to be or who you wish you were, be where you are and be who you are in, in this season. Yeah. I I like that you said that because I do think that as moms, sometimes we think we need to leave things behind in order to be in this new and current season. And that was one of the things that I was conscious of, especially when it came to creativity, like as a creative, how am I bringing creativity into my stay at home mom life? You know what I mean? That didn't end who I was. I was a designer. I worked, maybe I wasn't designing you know, restaurants, although I did do a lot of freelance work, but maybe I wasn't actively working, but I could still, and I should still bring the things that I loved and who I am to my motherhood. And I do think that there was a time when I thought I had to put all of that aside and make this choice to be in this mothering season. And that, that wasn't true. I mean, I realized that I was, you know, who I was meant to be when I included that, when I purposely started to say, oh, if this isn't going to be provided for me at work, which was easy, I walked in and I had to be creative from the moment I got there to the moment I left. If I, if it's not going to be easy for me to participate in creativity, how can I do it on purpose? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So now I want to talk about what are some of the tips for getting out of an identity crisis? If we find ourselves in a place where we don't know who we are anymore, we've let who we used to be slip away. What can we do to get out of that place? Well, I think you were just talking about what, and what we were just talking about this, these core parts of who you are, um, really just sitting down and going, what are, what are the things that I miss? How do I feel like I've changed or Mm -hmm. what, what do I feel like is being asked of me to change? What do I feel like I need to suppress in order to be a mom? And, you know, I mean, really actually like sit down and write this down and, Mm -hmm. and go and look at it and see if you can get down to, like you said, Kimberly, was it creativity? Is it, you know, um, traveling? Is it 
going, getting out and how can I take that and adjust it for being a mom? You know, I'm, I'm not a homebody. I don't, I work from home (laughs) now, but I am just generally, I like to be social. I like to be out with people and then I need to not be around people for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My, how I cycle. Um, But, you know, so if you're naturally somebody who loves to, to go out and be around people, but you have been feeling like you're stuck at home with your baby, um, especially if you feel as you feel like your child has this nap schedule that you are beholden to, and God forbid that your child not nap in pristine conditions, temperature 72 degrees, like the white noise machine on yeah, yeah, the rocking, you know, crib let that's like, you know, those, those diaper commercials that show first time mom. And then second time mom it, listen, if you're a first time mom, it's all beautiful. It's all wonderful, but maybe let go of a little bit of that. Uh, teach your child, even from infancy, to be flexible and find a mom group that you can go out and do things with. Have some people over if you, you know, if you can't get out, if there's no mom groups in your area, whatever it is, or just but just you and your baby. This is going back to that being in the moment thing. You know, um, I used to go take my daughter when she was an infant, I would just go for walks. I just had to get out of the house. (laughs) So, you know, I can't get out of the house and necessarily maybe go to an art gallery opening, but I can go for a walk. So what are the ways that you and and never think of them as being lesser than you're just, you're just adjusting for the, the season that you're in. And in the next season, you'll make some adjustments and this is life. So sit down, write it down. What are these core things? What are the, the parts of me? I feel like I have to suppress in order to be a mom. What are the parts of life that I feel like I'm missing out on and how can I integrate that into my motherhood? Mm-hmm. I like that you asked the question, what, what do I think I have to suppress in motherhood? Because that's a great way to identify the lies that we believe about motherhood. And then we can course correct. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think writing things down is fantastic. I, I, as you were talking, I thought of, you know, I'll have conversations sometimes with with somebody and I'll talk about what I used to love or what I used to do. And that is an indication of, wait, wait, why don't, why did I used to do that? Why didn't I do that anymore? Um, so that's a real good kind of like, you know, bright idea, light bulb at the top of the head. Hey, Ooh, this is something I need to take note of. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, uh, again, there's a sense of you, you, you have to know yourself and, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think that's again, really changing. There's more acceptance of that and more of a, you know, I, I literally feel like I come from a place where all this was considered selfish and, um, indul- indulgent. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's part of what you guys are having to really come out of because, mm-hmm. you know, I am older than you and I did raise my kids in a slightly different era and, or may, maybe majorly different era in some ways we were anyway. So it wasn't so much was not, it didn't feel like a choice for us. So I think, um, continuing to know who you are and what you, what brings you life is really mm-hmm. important. Like I think about people 
are so important to me. Friendships are so important to me. And um, I, I, I always, I actually always have to integrate that into my life. And as, um, a, you know, what I do with a lot of my time is spend time alone as an editor and a writer. And, um, I, I got to balance that with people just as I had to do the same with, with my kids. Um, writing is another one, like, it's just one of those things that I love and is really important to me. And so carving out at least a little time to do that helps me stay connected to me and mm-hmm. what I care about. <clears throat> yeah. And I think too, Kimberly, you know, you've incorporated one example I see of you and your family incorporating mm-hmm. sort of this family culture is the travel aspect. Like that's something that you love, your husband loves it, and yeah. now your kids love it, and it's a family thing. So you've incorporated that sense yeah. of adventure <clears throat> into your life yeah, as, as part of not just you, but your whole family, yeah. which I think is awesome. Yeah. awesome. That's great. I, I love that you said that, Elise, because it's like, like I was saying earlier, you know, God's put your family together. Mm-hmm. He wants you to take those great things that he put inside of you and pass yeah. them on to your yeah. children. Yeah. And that, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I am going to uh, put in here a shameless plug. One of the things you can do is get the help of a coach. <laughs> Elise is a coach. I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, having somebody to talk to is really, really important. And, and, and as coaches, we typically help people walk through this process. Um, so I, I do want us at least to share and Alana, you can jump in as well, even though you're not a, an official coach to talk about some of these questions that you would have asked of yourself by a coach. And, you know, with, with that talking to a coach, and I want to just throw this in real quickly is talking to your par- partner about, Hey, this is what I'm missing. This is what I'm thinking. What do you see has changed about me? Uh, how can, w- w- because I do think like even our husbands have stories of like who we used to be before we were a mom or what <laughs> sure. we like to do. And so talking to them about that and getting the support we need from them to like step into those areas. Um, but what are some of the questions as a coach, would we ask somebody who comes to us and says, who am I? <laughs> well, I, I love the, one of the questions I love as a coach is what has always been true of you? Um, that's actually a, a question that I, that I heard when I first heard a life coach speak 20 years ago. And, um, I had never heard of life coaching. She was definitely a forerunner. Uh, I, I can't remember her name, but she's around, she's in this area actually. But anyway, I loved that. I love that question because it's a reminder to us. It's, and I'm talking about like, essentially, like as you were a child, what was true of you that is still true of you now? So for example, for me, um, I I was a helper and I was a nurturer. And so there's, there's gotta be some kind of element of that in my life in order to, I need to feel like I'm helpful. And that's an important thing to know, you know? Okay. So when I'm not feeling helpful and of course you can feel helpful pretty easily with kids. So when you're not feeling helpful with your kids, how else are you going to be feeling helpful? How else can you be a help? Um, so that's one of them kind of essentially mm-hmm. you question. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like what makes you smile? You know, when you think about it, what makes you smile? What, what just energizes you? And, um, and, and, and my, my caution would be, don't think too much about it. Just like, write a list of 10 things and mm-hmm. maybe 
five of them aren't really going to bring you life, but five of them are. Um, yeah. So I, I, those are two. What do you, what, how about for you, Kimberly? What, what, what are some questions you'd ask? Um, well, some of the things that I like to talk about are non-negotiables. Like mm-hmm. what are the five things that you need to do each day to put your head down on the pillow and feel good about that day? And that can definitely be translated into um, weekly or monthly non-negotiables. Like what are mm-hmm. the things that I would like to do and then I'm going to commit to doing? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's a part, that's the transition step where we say we're going to take like what Alana mentioned earlier about, you know, how is parenthood changed you? What do you, what do you believe about parenthood and letting go of those expectations and then, and then transitioning into a plan, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what do I do? What can I literally like put on the calendar on a daily basis? What can I put on the calendar on a weekly basis, monthly basis? And then from that plan, when you start to put together that plan, you start to figure out, well, who, who can support me in this? Mm -hmm. Is it other moms? Is it family that's close? Is it my spouse? And really like not like doing the soul searching, the journaling, the writing it out, but then saying, okay, like what is small, one small step that I can take in that direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. That one small thing at a time is really important. Once you do some of the reflective work, there's like, what are the actions that are attached to it that are really doable? Our Mm -hmm. smart goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like if we go back to um, what you and me talked about, Elise, in the very, very beginning about this idea of flexibility Mm -hmm. and accepting, um, what is it that we would have to let go of in order to allow Mm. that balance into our lives? So um, certainly letting go of, yeah, something that doesn't, that doesn't need to be there so we can make room for ourselves because we're not going to be healthy. We're not going to be emotionally and mentally healthy at the end of the day if everything else is consuming and there's no, there's no space for us. Truth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also looking at when, you know, we've talked a lot about these transitions and again, give them, a, give them a moment, give them some space and then think about what lies on the other side of them. What are the possibilities? What are the opportunities, um, that await, you know, there's mm-hmm. that too. Um, and I also feel like, coaches are really important. And sometimes a counselor is really important to help you through the transition as well. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you guys this personal question for you guys. How do you carve out time to connect with you? Do you guys have a Sabbath? Like, what does it look like to actually prioritize that time? Well, for me, it's going to bed early enough so that I can get up early enough so that I can have some quiet time in the morning. I think that is one of the most essential things for me. And uh, yeah, and it really does begin the night before. Um, the other night, the other, the other night I got up or the other morning I got up really early before the sun was up and I can't tell you, it was so wonderful. <laughs> and I just have to remember that. Mm-hmm. That's, that would probably be my number one thing as well. Um, which is so weird because I just have never been a morning person. Uh, I I still don't feel like a morning person. No, me neither. (laughs) So it's hard. It's such a sacrifice (laughs) to go to bed earlier, to get up early, but there's just nothing like, and I started doing this um, Marie Kondo thing. I just, one of the things that sticks out from, you know, when that the craze was first starting. I read the book and she always opens the windows in the mornings. First thing Mm. she does or whatever she said in the book. And so I started doing that 
Um, and just opening the, I have to open the window. I have to open the blinds a little bit, let some sunshine in. I don't like any house lights on. I just want sunlight. Mm. Everyone's asleep. I have my cup of coffee and it's just that, that peaceful, whether I'm, you know, going to read the Bible or even just kind of sit there, like that's great. And then also for me, um, getting out of the house, as I've mentioned before, is very important for me. And I have to Mm -hmm. kind of force myself to do it. Um, it's, that's another hard thing to do, but, (laughs) um, because everybody needs something and you, you, sometimes you just don't even want to face the, the uproar that will happen when you're like, I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. I'd rather just stay home. Uh, but staying home and not having anybody knock on the door isn't as good as getting out of the house for me. Um, it's not the same mm-hmm. thing. So, um, yeah, those, those two things in terms of like, you know, a Sabbath, we, we have a flexible kind of Sabbath. We have a kind of a Friday night through Saturday. We've like for our, our my husband and I, our whole marriage, we've been involved in church. Um, this season that we're in, I am not involved regularly in church on Sundays, but he is. And so, and our church has two services. So Sundays are like church, 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 nap, football, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And that's, you know, kind of the rhythm of our lives right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that Sabbath for me was something that really did help me through Mm -hmm whatever identity crisis I might've been having at the time. Um, but I, my experience with Sabbath was choosing a day that wasn't Saturday or Sunday because Sunday was the day I prepped for the week and, you know, whenever my schedule ordered groceries, whatever, that was sort of a prep day. And then Saturday, certainly when I was on driving everybody to and fro on the sports field, like making sure everybody had snacks and this and that, that was not a day off for me. So I, um, I had the ability to choose Friday because nobody was home, you know, everybody was at school and work. And then it was natural for me to not want to do anything on Friday when my kids got home from school. And so I just sort of gave myself that day to be the permission for me to, for that to be my Sabbath. And so I would just, if the kids wanted to watch TV, we'd watch TV. If they wanted to watch a movie or binge something, when they came home from school, we would sit down and we'd watch TV in the middle of the day, like whatever it was. Um, But my journey with Sabbath was doing a lot of things that I thought I should be doing and then Mm -hmm. going, "Mm, I don't really like these as much as I thought they would be like having nothing to do all day and just read a book. Like I was like, Oh, that's (laughs) nice for like an hour or maybe even only 30 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And like you, Alana, I was like, I need to go someplace. So even if I went and did a few errands, it was like that I would take my time and target and I would look at everything and I, it would, it wouldn't be about the errand. It would be just about getting out of the house or I'd go and maybe I'd like bring my book to Starbucks and I would sit because I knew I would see like three or four people that morning. Um, so this idea of, you know, even just getting out of the house and interacting with like the cashier was like enough to kind of fill me. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started doing some projects. I mean, now my Sabbath on Friday is when I go play tennis. Like I signed up for a class. I'm committed. I'm I'm in. I paid for it. So like, ooh, like figuring you. out, yeah, figuring out what it is that I really enjoy, what it is that I I want to do, not have to do. And so that really forced me to take a look and say, 
wow, like let's get back to basics and let's get back to like what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Nothing like running slow errands with no kids. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Playing whatever music you want in the car. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Especially when you've self-care. done it for years with the exact opposite. It's mm-hmm. just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember going to the grocery store by myself and, you know, just feeling like, oh, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> One time I, I was having a play date with a friend and um, she had, or we had both had our sons around the same time. And I was like, we got to get breakfast from Panera. I'm going to run out. I left the, the the kids at her house. I went and I did a lap around the parking lot, just walking around. I was like, I'm free. Yeah. This is yes. what it feels like to walk by myself. Yes. In yes. The parking lot before yeah. I came back to the play date. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, that's all you need. Yeah. It's true. For sure. Can be small, simple things. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts as we wrap up, ladies? No. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Yes. Yeah. I think that the last thing I would say is um, it's completely normal. And you are among many who have felt that way and who turned around and wondered, who am I? What am I doing? How did I get here? And that you don't have to stay there. And hopefully we've given you some um, things to think about so that you don't have to stay there. Yeah, I, I would I would say when when you're saying that, Kimberly, I'm thinking it doesn't have to be a crisis. Hmm. It can be a shakeup. It can be a time that's unsettling, but it doesn't have to be a crisis because you can do things about it. That's good. good. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Amici, and you can find the podcast at, at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.